thank everybody for coming out, even the ones that knew I'd be preaching tonight. Thank you. Hallelujah. Mike had foreknowledge, and he's still here. I certainly want to thank Brother Dave for coming out and supporting a fellow minister, unlike some other preachers that are going to hear about it tomorrow. <laughs> Steve Morgan, that's you, buddy. Praise God. Good evening, and thank you for having me one more time up here to share God's Word with you. The scripture I'm going to be reading from is one that's familiar to my Sunday school class, my classmates there. It's familiar to the outreach uh, group and the nursing home group. It's a, a, a scripture that I've, I've been able to practice on a little bit. Hallelujah. I like that about having different areas to serve. You know, every one of us, we've got, like Marie said, the Lord's got talented people here. Now, we all, I, I look at myself, and I don't really think I have much talent. I know that there's some effort involved. I know that there's some times when I have to study and stay up late, and there's some times when, the, when I'm cramming because it's a short-notice thing. Praise God. Hallelujah. But go to Genesis 28. He's already got us there, and we'll start in verse 10, and I'll probably skip around a little bit, but... Uh, they gave me until 8.30, and he put a time limit on it these days, and I know I brought that on myself last time. I've apologized to him. <laughs> Praise God. I know, I know. But uh, I'm going to use every bit of it if I can. Hopefully I'm not done in 15 minutes. Praise God. Let's read this first scripture. Genesis 28.10 says, When Jacob went out from Beersheba, and, went, and Jacob went out from Beersheba, and he went towards Haran. You know, Jacob was a bit of a rascal. Amen. Jacob, this is Isaac's kid. It's Abraham's grandson. His, his dad and his dad's dad, they both knew the Lord really well. They both were well acquainted with God Almighty, uh, had, had talked with him, had received a covenant from him. Uh, great men of God. Great men of God in, in the, the Word, in the Scripture, people that... Folks that study the word, they look up to Abraham, they look up to Isaac. Here we get to a place in the scriptures here. And I, I know that all of you have already studied Jacob a little bit. You know he's going to be a pretty good guy in the end. But right now we come across a Jacob that is a bit of a, a, bit of a rascal. He's a young man, still wet behind the ears. He's been uh, a bit of a deceiver. You know, the man's name actually means supplanter. And I can really get a picture. The, the scriptures only show us a couple of times when he deceived his brother. First off, he, he conned him out of his birthright. And then he deceived his daddy, and he got the older brother's blessing. And I can see from that just a picture of Jacob's life. And I think that he probably lived a life from a very wrong, young age. He probably lived a life that's much like what we see in those two instances. I think he probably... Uh, conned his brother out of quite a lot of stuff throughout the years. I think poor Esau, he might have been a good hunter, but he didn't really see Jacob coming. I think Jacob had his number for a long time. But he wasn't really a good guy, but what we're going to see, and what you already know, is that he fathers the nation Israel. What we're going to see and what you already know is that he is the beginning of God's covenant people. And I think what we need to understand is that, you know, I'm a bit of a rascal. The, the only thing really nice about me is my Jesus. The only thing really good about me is Jesus. Look, if you see me doing good stuff, you see in Jesus do that stuff. Because what I want to do, it probably is not there. 
You know what I mean? So I can really associate with Jacob, and I can really, I can really see how he might have lived his life. But see, it's not about me, and it's not about you, but it's about what God's going to do with you. It's about what God did with Jacob and what he's going to do with us. Amen? Because if it was about me and if it was, if it was about my talents, I wouldn't even be here. I'd be, it'd be worthless. I'd have nothing to say. But it's about what God can do with us if we're open to that. And Jacob, uh, you know, I, I don't think if you'd have told Jacob right then that he was going to lead a nation, I think he'd have probably been blown away. He's going to have to hear it from God. And, you know, sometimes we encourage one another, and I'm probably going off on a bit of a tangent here, getting sidetracked, but the, the Sunday school class can tell you that's just part of what I do. That's my character. I, I'm the sidetracked one. I'm going to have that on my headstone. But uh, he's going to have to hear it from God. And a lot of times you and I, we hear good advice from people, people that love us, people that know what they're talking about, and we know they've been there, we, and we understand that they, they have good advice, but we're not going to take it. We have to hear it from God, amen? And until the Lord puts his hand down on us and says, look, this is how it is, we're just not going to get it, no matter how many people tell us, hallelujah. So Jacob is going to meet up with the Lord here tonight. But it says that he went out from Beersheba and went to Haran. This place, Haran, well, we'll get to it in a minute. Let me finish reading this so he can change the scripture. I hate to bounce around on Mike like that. And verse 11 says, And he lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night, because the sun was set. And he took of the stones of that place, and he put them for his pillows, and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven, and behold, the angels of God ascended and descended on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said... I am the Lord God of Abraham thy father, and the God of Isaac. The land whereon thou liest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed. Now we said Jacob was a bit of a, bit of a rascal. Uh, he had done conned his, his brother out of his birthright. He had done deceived his daddy and took the brother's blessing. And now, just a, a little bit of a background story. Esau wants to kill him, okay? Esau is not happy about that. And so Jacob's mom has this great idea. He's going to go and get a wife. So his daddy sends him away to Haran to go get a wife. Why Haran? Because, you know, the Bible talks about the fact that they were from Ur of the Chaldees. But something happened in Genesis eleven thirty-one. Let's look at that. Genesis eleven thirty-one. it says this, that Terah took Abram his son. That's Abraham, if you remember. And Lot, the son of Haran, his son's son, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife. And they went forth with them from Ur of the Chaldees to go into the land of Canaan. And they came unto Haran and dwelt there. Haran's about halfway from Ur to Canaan. Now this guy, Terah, he didn't really... There's no way he could have known, and the scripture doesn't say that he knew that Abraham had a great destiny, that he was going to be given the land of Canaan. God never made any promises to Terah about the land. He never made any promises about an inheritance to his descendants, but he did to Abraham. This is what happened. This man, Terah, for some reason felt he needed to get to Canaan, and he was taking his son Abram there. Abraham's daddy was on his way taking him to the land of Canaan where Abraham was supposed to go. But they didn't know it at the time. Amen? 
for some reason, he felt like he had to get there, and so they took everything. They took the family, and they headed out that way, and, but they stopped about halfway in Haran and dwelt there. Now, the Bible says in, in the next couple of verses, in the beginning of chapter 12, that at that time, God told Abraham, leave this place of your dad. Leave your family, leave your dad's stuff, and go into the land that I'll show you. Amen? Y'all remember that? Well, there's something that we see here. The promised land was for Abraham. He was always destined for it. His daddy tried to get him there, but he couldn't take him. See, you and I, I think that this scripture certainly has a target audience. And it's parents. You and I, we have kids. We have kids. We have grandkids. We want to see them do right. We want to see them do well. It, it seems like they're always going crazy, doesn't it? It seems like they're never going to make it. We pray for our kids to get saved. We try to get them into church. We try to get them into the best schools. We try to do the best thing we can for them, but we can't get them to the promised land. You can't save your kids. Terah in no way could take Abraham to Canaan because that was God's job. Amen? And until Terah stopped... And to let it go, then God could move Abraham into the promised land. But as long as you and I keep trying to do it, we're not going to get them there. We can't save them and we can't fix them. Amen? Listen, we got to come across that. And just like, uh, just like Jacob, we're going to have to hear it from God, I think. Hallelujah. So parents, we can't save our kids. But now here's Jacob. And he's on his way back to that land where his daddy had settled and where the family had settled. He's going to get him a bride. You remember that? And uh, he has a dream. Now, I think he knows when he wakes up, we'll see in a little bit, that he knows that this is God talking to him. A lot of times I wake up from a dream and I'm kind of groggy and I don't know what's going on at first. And pr probably y'all are like that too. But eventually I shake it off and I say, oh, I was dreaming. I mean, you can eventually come to a place where you know that you were dreaming, but when Jacob wakes up, I think he kind of knows that that wasn't just a dream. Amen? But let's look here in Job 33, 15, and 16, because dreams aren't always just that. It says, In a dream in the vision of the night, when deep sleep falleth upon men, and slumberings upon the bed, then he openeth the ears of men and sealeth their instruction. Hallelujah. When Jacob laid down to sleep, he got a visit from God. Amen. Let me take this jacket off. And uh, what was that dream? The Bible says, we just looked at it. He dreamed and behold, a ladder set up on the earth. Now Jacob's running for his life, you remember? His brother wants to kill him. He's running for his life. He comes to a lonely place on the way to where he's going. And, and he's got to stop. The Bible says that the sun had set, so he's going to spend the night there. And so he takes rocks, and he makes him a little pillow with a rock. Amen? Have you ever slept on a rock before? Uh, that's a, a bit disturbing. I mean, it's not very comfortable. First off, he's running for his life, so he's kind of distraught. Don't you think the man was a little bit stressed out? Even though he'd, on the one hand, I think Jacob, if I can get a picture of him, I think Jacob, on the one hand, he's like, yeah, I got away with it. And on the other hand, he says, I just don't know how long I'm going to live through this. You know what I'm saying? So he's kind of scared. He's kind of elated. And at the same time, with all this stress on him, he has to lay down and put his head on a rock. How good of a night's sleep do you think you're going to get on a rock? So he's definitely stressed and uncomfortable. And now he lays down, and in the midst of this, when he doesn't see a way out, 
He certainly doesn't see any comfort in his life. In the midst of this, now he has a dream. A vision comes from God. And in this vision, he dreams, and there's a ladder, the Bible said. And it's set up on the earth. The top reached to heaven. Amen? There is a ladder. There is a, a structure here. And I've heard commentators say, well, there's no way a ladder could be leaning up on nothing. Do they even know my God? <laughs> and they say there's, it must have been a mountain that had stairs cut in it. That's got to be what he saw. But the Bible says he saw a ladder. Look, if it was a stair-cut mountain, that's fine. If it was stairs into heaven, that's fine. If it was a ladder, that's fine. Here's the thing. Here's a structure that God showed him that made a connection between earth and heaven. Hallelujah. Those two planes that are separated between the world that we live in and between the heavenly realm, at this point in Jacob's life, he sees a vision from God that shows him, look, there's a connection. And uh, how many of you know anything about electricity? I think Jacob saw a picture that I can see. I don't think he understood it, but I think God has shown us something because when a connection is made from heaven down to earth, there's power moving. Amen. If you know anything about electricity, you know that the wires are running from the power outside. They're running through to this plug over here. And when you plug something in, it makes a connection. Amen? And that's when power happens. Because right now, we don't have a light on there. But if we plug something in, like somebody's cell phone charger over here, uh, it's going to make a connection. And then there's power to that because of the connection. And the way electricity works is power flows into this area, and then because of the connection, it's a continual loop. It flows back. What does this say? It says that on that connection, on that ladder, it said the angels of God ascended and descended upon it. And I think that what we're seeing, and what anyway, what I'm getting out of it, I like how Marie said the other night. She says she she preaches in a way where she sees how does this apply to my life? How this applies to my life is I see that if I can make a connection with God, if I can stay connected with the heavenly realm, there will be power in my life, angelic heavenly power, the power of God to move mountains, to shake the earth, amen, and to enable me to do God's bidding. Jacob sees power in this place. Hallelujah. Now, God's power is there to comfort and protect him. God's power is here to comfort and protect you. Hallelujah. And so Jacob, I don't think he knew what he was looking at, but he knew that there was a connection with God, and now he sees angelic beings. He sees angels going up and down on this ladder, and he understands that now there is a God that no matter who he's been, God is concerned for him. That God is making a connection with Jacob, despite who Jacob has been. Amen? See, you and I have stepped out of line a time or two. Amen? You and I have probably been just as much a rascal as Jacob has in the past. I know Brother John's from someplace, but uh, <laughs> hallelujah, Brother Dave. Listen, you guys have been rascals in the past, but God made a connection with you. He didn't... Listen, if he'd have waited around for you to do it, y'all would be dead in a ditch right now somewhere, but God made a connection with you. You laying on that rock trying to go to sleep, and God said, wake up, I'm here. And he made a connection with you, and the power of God moved in your life. How else would you have gotten saved in the first place but the power of God connected with you, amen? Because I couldn't have done that. Let's look at something else because that ladder, that ladder shows up again in another place. See, what Jacob doesn't see is 
Jesus has revealed himself to Jacob in the desert. Go look at John 1, 51. Take us there. And now here's a man named Nathaniel, and he shows up on the scene. He, he's been brought to, to meet Jesus. The other disciples, the young men say, hey, come and meet Jesus, and he's the Messiah, and you're not going to believe this. And Nathaniel shows up, and Jesus tells him something. I saw you under the tree. And the man believes him. He says, I know that you're the Son of God. I know that you're the Messiah, the chosen one. And Jesus said, you believe me because I said I saw you under the fig tree? Look at what he said. In 151 of John, he says, He saith unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Hereafter you shall see heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Jesus is the connection. Jesus is that ladder. He is that thing connected. No, uh, Yeah, you can bring it. I, I don't know that I'll need it, but I do appreciate you. I am getting kind of thirsty. Come on. Hold it up. I'm always concerned that I'm too close and start to echo. Why, thank you, my brother. Appreciate that. Okay, appreciate that. Thank you, brother. So Jesus told Nathaniel that now Nathaniel, from here on out, from this point, because Nathaniel believed him, Nathaniel would be able to see the power of God working through Jesus. Now listen to this. Jesus showed up in the desert that night for Jacob. He revealed himself, not as a man, not as an angel, not as a booming voice, but as a connection, as a ladder. He revealed himself as a ladder. And listen, Jesus could have been any kind of connection. He could have been just a pole. He, he could have made a connection in any number of ways, a rope, but what he did was he revealed himself as a ladder. I have access to the heavenlies because Jesus is my connection. The ladder says that I don't have to lay around here and wait for God to show up for me. But the, the ladder says that because of Jesus and because I believe in him, if I want to see the power of God, I can climb the ladder. I can get into the heavenly realm. The Bible says that if I want to get into the presence of God, he's right here with me. We've already proven on several, several occasions that, number one, he said, I'm everywhere. Number two, he said, where two or more gathered, I'm there. Number three, he said, I'm living in your heart and I'll never leave you or forsake you. And Josiah just walked in the back. Josiah's standing right there. Come on in, buddy. I was just letting your mommy know that you're there. Come on in, buddy. I think I scared him. I'm sorry, little brother. I'm sorry about that. Praise God. But listen... He's, he's telling Nathaniel that he is the connection. Once you and I came to that point where God made a connection with us, when we believed him and knew that Jesus was the Son of God, Jesus said, from now on, you will see the power of God working through me. From now on, he said, angels ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. He said, from now on, you have access into the heavenlies because you believe. How many of you believe in Jesus? You believe that he gave his life for you on the cross. You believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He was slain for your salvation. He was raised again for your sanctification. You believe that. He said, if you will believe that, I'm the ladder. You can climb into the heavenly realm. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. How much time do I got left? Man, y'all are in for a short night. Praise God. Y'all are in for a short night. Hallelujah. And now, yeah, praise God. Amen. I like it. 
So something else happened because he saw the angels ascending and descending on the ladder. Amen. And then it says, and behold, the Lord spoke above it. God spoke. Because listen, how many of y'all think you ever had a vision? You've had visions? Have you had visions? Have you had dreams? Have you had uh, uh, people give you a message? Have people give you a word? Have you ever had somebody tell you a prophecy? You, you've had visions. You've had uh, something. And you checked it out with Scripture, right? You checked it out to, with the Word, right? Because a vision, apart from the Word of God, is deception. God spoke into that dream, and He said, Jacob, I'm the God of your father. Because just a vision without a word from God is a deception. Just a vision that doesn't line up with the word of God is a deception. And if you can't get a word from God in that vision, then you've been lied to. If you can't get a word from God and if you can't take that vision and line it up with something in the scripture, if you can't prove it by the scriptures, then it's a lie. Amen? Amen. So God spoke. It wasn't enough just to show him. But God spoke to him. Hallelujah. Now let's move on to my page two. Do y'all have page two? <laughs> Hallelujah. You're in for a short night. Amen. We got plenty of prayer time this evening. Genesis 28. Back there to our text. Verses 14 and 15. says this. Thy seed shall be the dust. Let me back up one. Let me back up one. Not you. Brother Mike, just let me back up. He said, Behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham thy father and the God of Isaac, and the land whereon thou liest, I will give it to you. Remember that. He's going to give you the land and to thy seed. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth. Remember that. You can have lots of kids. Thou shalt spread abroad in the west, to the east, to the north, and to the south. And in thee and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. That's a whole lot of kids. Amen. And then he said, And behold, I am with thee. Remember that. I will keep thee in all places whither thou goest. I will bring thee again into this land, for I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. Three things he promised him. Here, here's this guy, Jacob. Horrible guy from, from all good people's standpoint. We look at this, and he reminds me of some other people that I know, people I'm praying for, you know. Amen. People that I've got to just give them to the Lord or they're never going to get straightened out. People that uh, really need to tighten up. Jacob reminds me of some of the worst. And in that, God is so faithful. In my deception, in, in, in my deceiving of people, God's faithful. In my lying, God is faithful. In my weakness, God is faithful. In my temptation, God is faithful. Amen. In my failure, God is faithful, and in yours as well. So here, in Jacob's sin and despair, running for his life, scared for his life, also feeling elated by the fact that he got away with something. Have you ever been there? Listen, before you got saved, you got away with stuff, and it felt pretty good, didn't it? It did. I mean, that's just, it, it was good. But anyway, here's this guy. He's in the midst of his sin and his despair, and God's faithful. He makes a connection with him. Jacob finally meets God. Here's a guy whose daddy was a good God-fearing man. His daddy had a covenant relationship with God, probably spoke to him every night. Now, you listen, you guys know me, and you know that when I talk to Josiah, I talk about Jesus. 
You guys know that I talk to my son about the Lord and about the Word. You guys know that every one of you out there, you talk to your kids about God. How much more do you think Isaac talked about God? They didn't have color TV sets, amen? They didn't have Xbox One. Come on. They talked about God. And so this kid, Jacob, he knew about God. He knew his daddy loved God. But I don't think Jacob had ever met God. I think that this night, Jacob met God. In his desperation, in his sin, God showed up and made a connection with him. And Jacob met the God that his daddy had been talking about for so long. He met the God that his grandpa Abraham had talked about for so long. He finally realized, he said, Dad, this is what you were talking about. He said, it's real. It's true. All these years I've been living life the way I wanted to, and here's the God that you guys told me about. He finally met him. He finally had that one-on-one. Do you remember that when it happened for you? I had been told about God all my life. To me, it was just... You know, there's all kinds of different theories. God's this great grandfather looking down on us in the sky, or, or God's not doesn't exist at all. He's a lie to get me to go to bed at night. Amen. Come on, now he was something mom would use to keep me straightened out. But then one day he made a connection with me in my sin and despair. God made a connection with me, and he said, "Jason, I'm the one that they've been talking about." Am I still too far from? I, I'm sorry. And he said, Jason, I'm the one. So he tells Jacob, I'm the God. And he promises him three things here, okay? He promises him, number one, the land. This is really good. You got to just bear with me on this. Because you think, well, he's been promising them that land for three generations now. Jason, we've heard all about it. He told it to Abraham. He sure did. Genesis 13, he made that covenant with Abraham. All this land will be yours and your, your descendants. And you say, well, he made that covenant with Isaac too. He sure did. When Abraham got old, he told Isaac, Hey, Isaac, I'm the one your daddy was talking about. All this land will be yours. You can find that in Genesis 26. Now Isaac's getting pretty old. The Bible says he's on his deathbed. He can't see. How do you think Jacob got away with tricking him in the first place? The the man's pretty feeble and can't even think right. And so Jacob got away with something. And now he shows up in Jacob's life and he says, Jacob, I'm the one. And he renews that same covenant. He renews a covenant from the past. The second promise he gave him is he promised that he would get a wife. Y'all heard that in the scriptures that we read. He said something about a wife. He said, your seed shall be as the dust of the earth. How do you reckon that happens? (laughs) I think Jacob pretty much knew, yes, I'm going to get a wife. Hallelujah. You know what I mean? Because God just doesn't toss around kids like that without giving you a wife (laughs) amen you can adopt but I think Jacob knew what was happening God promised him he was going to get a wife what was Jacob doing right now at that time he was headed to Haran why yeah he was running for his life but there was a reason he was going to Haran he was going to his father's family because he was going to find a bride amen because listen when God made that second promise about his children he was addressing Jacob's present condition he made that promise from the past covenant he renewed a past covenant and he also addressed the present endeavor amen look at Matthew 7 7 and 8 he says asking it shall be given you seeking you shall find knocking it shall be opened unto you for everyone that asketh receiveth 
He that ask, he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. John's told us many times, and it bears true, that the Greek text is saying, ask and keep asking. Knock and keep knocking. We're to be persistent. We're supposed to diligently seek. We can't just show up and expect exactly that first time, but what God had told him was that you're going to find what you're looking for. The Bible says in another place that as long as we ask according to His will, that we're going to get whatever it is that we ask. If we ask believing, amen? So two things. He promised him the land. He renewed a past covenant. He addressed his present endeavor. Let's look at what else he said. He said, And behold, I am with thee, and I will keep thee in all the places whither thou goest. I will not leave thee until I've done that which I've spoken to thee. He promised also, number three, he promised his continual presence. This gives a picture of the future. It gives a picture to me of the future gift that the apostles would receive in that upper room. Amen. In that upper room when they were waiting because Jesus told them, tarry in Jerusalem until you receive power from on high. Hallelujah. You and I, we receive within us when we do receive Jesus Christ, when we believe that He's the Son of God, we confess Him as our Lord and Savior, we accept forgiveness on His behalf because of what He's done for us, we receive within us the Holy Spirit. And what happens? Jesus said, the Holy Spirit will never leave you. Go to Deuteronomy 31.8. And the Lord, he it is that doth go before thee. He will be with thee. He will not fail thee, neither forsake thee. Fear not, neither be dismayed. New King James says he'll neither leave you nor forsake you. That's where that scripture that's so famous, everybody knows this. God will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He placed within you at that time of your salvation the Holy Ghost, and the Holy Ghost does not leave you. He promised at that time to Jacob three things. One, the past covenant renewed. Two, the present condition addressed and dealt with. God's not going to leave you hanging. Listen, when you've got something on your heart, you've got something on your mind, maybe you're seeking something for your own comfort, for the benefit of the church, for the benefit of your family. Listen, you've got things that you want. You've got things that you need. God said, I'm going to provide for you. When you go to God with a request and you ask something of Him, He's going to address it right then. He's going to address it. He's not going to leave you hanging. I'm not saying you're going to get everything you want. Please, if we lived like that, all of us would be a bunch of spoiled babies crying uh, for every little thing, and we wouldn't be able to even function in this world because this world's kind of tough. You're not going to get everything that you want, but I'm telling you right now that when you cry out, God will address your present condition. He also promised him the future continued presence of God in his life. You can expect all three things. God said, redeeming the time. Listen, he can straighten out your past. He did it for me. Because my past was looming over me, and I was doomed for a devil's hell. And when I accepted Jesus Christ, three things happened. Amen. He addressed my past, and he fixed it. He wiped the slate clean. Amen. He addressed my present condition. He said, you're no longer what you were, but praise God. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are made new. Right then, he fixed it in my present condition. And at that same time, a third thing. He promised me his continuing presence. He never leaves. He's done that for you. Jesus is the Lord of past, present, and future. 
He's timeless. Amen. Jacob saw that. Let's go. <laughs> Yay. Let's go look at Genesis 28 again. Go to verse 16 through 18. No, 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 please don't. I'll get in big trouble up here. They've got a red hook. They've threatened to drag me off the stage. <laughs> Praise God. Genesis 28, 16 through 18. And Jacob awaked out of his sleep, and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place. He didn't say, Oh, my goodness, it was just a dream. Thank God. No, he woke up, and he knew God was there. He woke up, and he knew God was there. Surely the Lord is in this place, he said, and I knew it not. How, how often are we so near to God and we don't even know it? How many times was he standing there looking at me going, Jason, I'm right here. Come to me, come to me, come to me, come to me. And I said, hand me another beer. How many times was he right there going, Jason, I forgive you, I love you, I want you, come to me. I, I, I will fix it, come to me. And I said, pass me that doobie. How many times did I live the way I wanted to, so near to a God that loved me, and I did not know it? Jacob woke up after the connection, after the vision connection, and he said, surely God is in this place, and I didn't even know it. And so he was afraid, and he said, how dreadful is this place? How awesome. This is none other but the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. He ends up naming this place Bethel there at that time. There is, there's no city there. There's nothing but a pile of rocks that he made into a bed. It's just him and God. Later, there will be a city that shows up there, and it'll be called uh, uh, Luz. I can't even remember what that means. It's not good. I think, I think it means iniquity, if I recall. After that, after that, some people will change the name of it to Beth Haven, which is House of Iniquity. And then after that, finally, when the Jewish people come and take it back over, they will name that place Bethel. But there, in the wee hours of the morning, because it said he woke up early out of his sleep, in the wee hours of the morning, after having a connection experience with God, he named this place the House of God, though nothing was there but him and God. And that's where your connection is the strongest. You've got, when you come into this place, the house of God, you've got to get in that connection to where everyone else disappears. You've got to be able to worship like you're the only person here. You've got to be able to sing out loud like nobody else can hear you except for Him. Because when you get into the house of God, there's nothing there but you and a pile of rocks. Amen? Everybody else has got to disappear because if they don't, you haven't done it right. If they don't, you're too distracted by the world. You're too distracted by your neighbors and what you've got going on for dinner tonight. And uh, you've got to get to a place where Bethel is a lonely, lonely place with just you and him. Amen? Now he says, And Jacob rose up early in the morning and took the stone that he had put for his pillows and set it up for a pillar and poured oil on top of it. Check this out. This is really good. Jacob was running for his life. He came to a place... Night had fallen, and all he had to lay his head on was a pillow. He was, he was nervous. He was stressed. He was uncomfortable. He was in bitter turmoil. He was in despair. He was in sin. And that very same place, that bed that he had laid on, the exact point of his despair, he set it up for an altar to worship. See, you and I, we, 
we face problems in this life. We face issues in this life. And, and oh, I'm going through these things. I'm not going to, I can't worship right now. I'm having this issue. I can't, I got to get this right. I can't worship now. Or your worship is half-hearted because you got so much on your mind or whatever's going on. But Jacob saw God. He had a connection with God. And exactly at that point where he was at his most desperate, that's the place where worship happened. That's the place where you, you take that uncomfortable pillow and you set it up for a pillar and you worship God right there. Don't go to another place. You don't have to get better. You don't have to get more comfortable. You don't have to go to another place where people are friendlier. You don't have to get to another position where you feel more elated before you worship. But at that point where you are your most miserable, you take that uncomfortable thing, whatever it is that is haunting you, and that's where you worship. You pour oil right on it and you worship God over it. Because what you're going to do then is you're going to take the despair, you're going to take everything that's bad and you're going to turn it into a place where you meet with God. Amen? That's when you're your strongest. Listen, God's not impressed with my happy attitude coming to church and praising Him then if I can't do it when, I, when times are tough. If I can't just break down and worship Him when stuff is hard... He's not impressed with my, I'm having a great day, so I can't wait to go to church and praise God. How about when you're having a rough day and you turn that pillow of stone into a pillar of praise? That's where it's at. Amen? That's the message tonight. Pillows of stone that you turn into pillars of praise. Hallelujah. Let's look at one more scripture. Psalm 119, 58 through 60. Praise God. I entreated thy favor with my whole heart. Be merciful unto me according to thy word. I thought on my ways and turned my feet unto thy testimonies. I made haste and delayed not to keep thy commandments. David chose, and you and I can cho choose, to make God the priority. Every one of us in this place, I think, not just me. But every one of us, there's something in your life that's a little uncomfortable. It, listen, it, if not, if you're that one person in the crowd that doesn't have nothing going on that makes you uncomfortable, you, you don't have any stress, you don't have anything bad going on, you don't have any anger issues, you don't have any financial issues, you don't have any depression, if you're that person that doesn't have anything going wrong, then praise God for you. When we come up and pray, please stand in the middle and let it rub off on me. Amen, please. But I think everyone in this place has a pillow of stone somewhere in your life that you can lay down tonight and worship God right there. So that's what, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give it to John now. When you come up tonight, let that be the place that your worship starts. Don't find what's good in your life and worship from there. Find what's bad and start your worship right there. I promise you that's going to fix it. Amen. Come on, Brother John.